Hello and welcome back to Witglass Unfiltered. I'm your host, Courtney Huntington, and this is episode 64. I am so excited to have you back with me today for a technology-related episode of Witglass Unfiltered. I'm recording this episode in the evening, so I'm not drinking coffee. I could be drinking decaf, and that could be okay, but um, I'm drinking this mint tea, and um, I decided to go with a milder mint rather than just a peppermint tea. Uh, peppermint is my absolute all-time favorite herbal tea, and it's certain, certainly my favorite peppermint, I mean favorite mint tea. But tonight what I'm drinking is called Mint Melange. It's a, a Trader Joe's tea and it's a blend of peppermint, lemongrass, and spearmint. And the ingredients are peppermint, lemongrass, and spearmint. And that's it. And it's really quite lovely. I'm really enjoying it tonight. Now, uh, I recently made a, uh, a French press of a, a particular coffee. Um, this was yesterday, I believe, that I made this. Um, no, it may have been today. Boy, yesterday and today are running together in my head right now. Um, but I made this French press, and I did as I usually do, and we've got this glass carafe that goes on the stove, and I boiled water in that. I poured the the fresh uh, rolling boiled water over my grounds that are sitting in the French press, and then I used leftover water left in the pot to uh, charge my cup. So I poured the hot water into the cup and let the cup sit there and get hot. And, and then I always put a timer on for four minutes. Now, I tend to like to steep my French press on the long side. And so I tend to steep my French press at least five minutes. And I'm not worried if it goes six minutes or more. Uh, it, it just, it doesn't bother me. I enjoy the fuller, more robust flavors that come out with a longer steep time. Um, I, I've had French press that some people have produced and it's not steeped long enough. And, um, honestly it tastes, it just tastes like watered down coffee. It doesn't just taste like wheat coffee. That's what it is. I know, but when you do a French press and you don't get enough grounds or you don't steep it long enough, then you end up with something that actually tastes a little bit like Folgers. And I can't stand it. Um, so I had this, this uh, delicious French press uh, of, of coffee and absolutely loved it. But at this time of day, I'm certainly not going to prepare something like that. And so when it comes to making a cup of mint tea, of course, I have a couple of options for heating the water. One is that I could get out that same, uh, that same glass coffee pot, put it on the stove, boil water. Another way, which I've talked about here on the show, is to use the hot water dispenser that's built into the Eura Impressa C60. That's certainly effective. Um, Though the water only gets up to about 195 degrees, and I really prefer my water for something like this to be a little bit hotter. Uh, so tonight, since we've recently reconnected the Keurig, for which I am so grateful to my wife, 
uh, for finding counter space and being willing to give it a, a try. And we're still in the trial period. No decision is made, but it's there on the counter. So I, I turned it on, heated the water, and that dispensed hot water. And um, I'm using a small uh, ceramic mug. And so I, I use the smallest setting, which produces about uh, six ounces of water. So I, I made this cup of tea with six ounces of water, which heated in the Keurig. And interestingly, I'd forgotten how long it takes the Keurig to heat up. Um, it takes longer to heat the Keurig than it does to heat the Eura Impressa C60. Although I think that the Keurig dispenses the water faster. Now, I haven't yet used the thermometer to test the temperature of the water coming out of the Keurig. So that's definitely the next step. That's the next thing that I need to do because um, I've, I've just never done it with the Keurig. Mm, mm. Oh, yes, that's so good. That There's just nothing quite like fresh mint tea. You, you get that that cool mint sensation in your mouth where you breathe in and you really get the, the air passing over your tongue especially. Oh, man, it's just amazing. I love it. All right. Now, enough about beverages. Let's talk about technology. This is a pretty exciting time of year for technology. There's an awful lot of technology stuff going on. Now, of course... There's technology stuff going on every day. There are announcements being made all over the place. And um, and so any time of year could be exciting. You know, I, I did a couple of WWDC episodes back in June when Apple had its Worldwide Developers Conference. And I talked about the HomePod and, and the new iPad and things like that. And I, I really feel like I could have done a lot more or said a lot more about Apple's technology. But I had so many other things to talk about over the summer. Um, honestly, I, I can hardly believe that the summer is gone. And, um, and... I didn't get more talked about, but the reality is there was, there was so much to talk about this summer. And so I had to choose which things to talk about. And I just didn't talk about as much technology this summer as, um, as I might've liked. So I want to talk about technology today and I want to talk specifically about things like the, the iPhone, the, the rumors that are coming out about the iPhone, um, and of course, there's this this continual leak. A lot of people want to hear about what is potentially coming out for the iPhone. Uh, I certainly am. I think I've told you before on the podcast that I like to um, to read up on Apple um, goings on. I like to read about upcoming technology, and this has been the case for. Uh, probably 13 or 14 years, it might be longer than that. Um, but I was reading articles about the potential for an Apple phone. Um, I, I want to say three or four years before the iPhone was revealed. I still remember reading articles about 
um, a patent or two that had come out, you know, that, that had been approved and, and somebody had dug it up and it, it had a ceramic housing and, and et cetera, et cetera. And so I've, I was anticipating a phone coming from Apple um, at least two to three years before a phone was released. And I, I'm pretty sure I've said before also, I wasn't expecting anything like the iPhone. I was blown away by the actual design that they released, but I was looking forward to a phone. W- whatever that happened to be, I was looking forward to a phone. Um, so I enjoy reading articles, and I know that not everybody likes to read these articles the way I do. I also listen to podcasts. One of the podcasts that I listen to, and I don't listen to it quite as often as I used to, and I, I confess that that is partly uh, for uh, for political reasons. I, I don't like this guy's politics, and, and when he gets all politicky, um, I, I, I tend to shut it off. And it's not because I'm offended by his politics. I just don't like it. And, and I, I don't, I'm not interested. Um, and, and I'm not trying to make myself sound like a good guy here. Uh, I'm not trying to, to um, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to make it sound like I would never shut, I would never, I would never shut off somebody's show just because I disagree with their politics. I'm not that petty. Well, the reality is I'm, every bit that petty. Um, I, I would be delighted to stop listening to a certain show or watching a certain show because I don't want to support that person. I don't want to support those ideas. And I know that by not watching, um, I could potentially be, um, be reducing the the stats, uh, the, the viewership, the listenership of that particular show, thereby potentially reducing the income, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it's not really petty, but yeah, it is. And I'm not trying to say that I would never do that sort of thing because I do think about that sort of thing and I don't think it's even remotely wrong. I am not at all bothered when I hear people say, and t- today it's people, it's usually people who are self-described as being on the left, uh, self-described as Democrats, self-described as socialists or something like that. Those people today, just because Obama uh, is no longer in office and now it's Trump who's in office and they're upset with Trump. And so they're much more vocal than they were because they're all a little scared and they're all weirded out and they don't like this guy. So it tends to come from that direction right now. Um, I'm not personally bothered at all by those people when they say, well, we're not going to buy any more from this company. We're not going to buy any more from that company. We're not going to listen to this anymore. That doesn't bother me at all. If, if your opinions are so important to you that you're not willing to risk popularizing or in, or in some way monetizing my endeavors because you disagree that strongly with my viewpoint. Good for you. I'm glad you've got some gumption. I'm glad that you have solid beliefs that you, 
that you want to defend and support. And I'm glad that you're willing to stand up and oppose my viewpoint. So it doesn't bother me personally when people say, oh, we should boycott this, boycott that. It's never, ever, ever bothered me. Here's what does bother me. Hypocrisy. It does not bother me when people on the left say, I'm not going to listen to this show anymore or watch this show or uh, listen to this recording artist's music or watch this person's movies or TV shows. I'm not going to, whatever, I'm not going to shop at this store anymore. That doesn't bother me at all. What does bother me is when you've spent decades saying, oh, you're so petty if you won't listen to a a show just because you disagree with the political perspective. And you guilt people and shame people into listening to things that they wouldn't otherwise listen to. And then you turn around and do the same thing. That bothers me. It's not the fact of the boycott that bothers me. It's the fact of the hypocrisy where you point the finger and accuse others of boycotting and condemn them for it and then turn around and do the same thing yourself. So all of that to say that I don't listen to this particular podcast as much as I used to, but now that the election is over and stuff like that, he's not quite as political anymore and Um, So I've been listening to it again more recently because I do appreciate his perspective. I think he's one of the clearest voices in the technology space. And I like the way he goes about his business. Um, He likes clean design. He doesn't like a bunch of pop-ups and um, web pages that take five minutes to load because they have so many pictures or advertisements built in and so much JavaScript. And so I like the way he does business. I would, in fact, love to have him on this show. I truly doubt that he would ever come on my show because he's so left-leaning and he would describe me as being right-leaning and therefore um, he probably wouldn't want to give me the time of day but I would love to have him on the show to talk about technology because I, I love his perspective and I like the business model. I don't know the ins and outs of the business model, but I like what I can see of the business model that he's developed. Um, and so uh, I know I haven't told you what the show is and who the guy is, but I, I will now. The name of the show and the accompanying, well, I'm sorry, actually, <laughs> The name of the website and the name of the podcast are two different things. The The name of the website is Daring Fireball. The name of the, um, the podcast is The Talk Show. And the name of the host of the podcast and the, uh, the author of the articles on the website, uh, Daring Fireball. His name is John Gruber. And, um, and so I've been listening to some of his episodes and, and I've gotten way behind because uh, I just haven't been listening to as much podcasting lately um, as I had been two or three months ago. And, and that's partly because um, 
I just have so many thoughts running around in my head. I don't have time. I don't have time to listen to as much as I used to listen to. And and it sounds strange to say that, but uh, that's the, the hard and fast reality of what the last two or three months have been like for me, especially the last two months. Um, I, I'm sure that um, as the ebbs and flows of, of life proceed, that I'll find that um, I'll get back into listening to more podcasts again, and and then I'll, I'll find a time when I'm not listening to so many, and then it'll be more and less and more and less and more and less. You, you know how it goes. Um, but I have been listening to uh, some of his episodes again recently. And just to tell you how... Um, <laughs> How little I'm listening. I've been listening to the same two-hour episode for, I think, the last week or 10 days. So th- that, that's how little I'm listening to, uh, to podcasts. But I love his podcast. I have been listening to it, and I've been thinking more about technology again. And that's partly because I've wanted to get back into the technology. I wanted to get the uh, technology juices flowing again. And so... Um, I was actually listening to a bit of an episode, a bit of the same episode today, um, and and so I've got these creative juices thro- flowing, and I've got these ideas, and I, there's so much to talk about with the technology. Um, so I, I want to talk about the iPhone, because very soon, probably in the next two to three weeks, Apple will likely hold an event. This is the time of year. It's usually... Uh, the first or second week of September, though it varies a little bit, um, where they announce the new iPhones. And there's a lot of speculation about what's going to happen. This is the 10th anniversary of the iPhone. Now, frankly, I'm not expecting much in terms of a big blowout 10-year anniversary thing. I'm sure they'll mention it, but... um, I think if they were going to do a big, amazing blowout deal, they would have done it last year for the iPhone 10, for the 10th iteration of the iPhone. Um, because this is the 11th iteration, even though it's the 10-year anniversary. And, and that's just weird to me. Um, hey, 10-year anniversary, 11th iteration. I, I, I think that the 10th iteration would have been the big event if they're going to have one. Now, again, I'm sure that they'll mention that it's a 10th anniversary. I'm sure that they'll, uh, they'll do something, maybe some sort of retrospective little video or something, but probably not nearly as big a deal as a lot of people think Apple is going to do. Um, but I do think that this year could be a special year for the iPhone. And here's why I think that this could be a special year for the iPhone. Over the past few years, we've seen iPhones develop a particular, um, a particular shape, particular size. You had the iPhone 4, and the iPhone 4S that followed the iPhone, the iPhone 3G, the iPhone 3GS. All five of those iterations of the iPhone, 
had the same size screen. Now with the iPhone 4, you got the Retina display, so it was a much sharper screen, but the size of the screen, the physical size of the screen was the same. Uh, And all those devices were roughly the same thickness and weight and stuff like that. And I don't have those figures right here in front of me, so I'm, I'm just going sort of from memory on that. But the, the weight was not significantly different. Um, then you get to the iPhone 5, and it's considerably lighter, and the screen size is larger. The width of the phone is the same, but the length of the phone is different. Now, the iPhone 5 and the 5S are, I think, the last phones that Apple produced um, that were that were decent pocket-sized phones. And I guess I need to throw in the uh, iPhone 5C because that was the same size as the iPhone 5 and 5S, though it had the plastic casing. Okay, I mean, and the, the 5C came out the same year as the 5S. Um, now, personally, I haven't owned every iteration of the iPhone. So I can't really talk about the performance of the iPhone, the original iPhone versus the 3G, because the 3G was my first phone, my first iPhone. Then I didn't have the iPhone 3GS. I did have the iPhone 4. I did not have the iPhone 4S. Nor did I have the iPhone 5, but I did have the iPhone 5S. Then I had the iPhone 6, and now I have the iPhone 7 Plus, but I didn't have the iPhone 6S or 6S Plus. Okay, so I have not had every iteration of the phone, and I can't talk about the performance year over year between devices, the only back-to-back ear devices I had were the iPhone 5S and the iPhone 6. Um, Okay, so for the first five iterations of the iPhone, you had the same size screen. Then you get to the iPhone 5, and you have two years of the same size screen again, but it's a little bit larger than the first five iterations. Then you get to the iPhone 6, and they produce the iPhone 6 and the iPhone 6 Plus. They continue that with the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus, and the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus. Along the way, they also produce the iPhone SE, which is the iPhone 5 and 5S size. Now, I haven't personally tried the iPhone 5 I'm sorry, the iPhone SE, um, because there are certain limitations like camera and stuff like that that um, I've been disappointed that they don't have the this, the latest and greatest on, and and I just think I, I think that's a bad strategy, but I understand why they do it. Um, I love that size and. If they produced the iPhone 7 Plus features in the size of the iPhone 5, I would buy it in a heartbeat. 
One of the things that has really surprised me is that even though the screen is bigger on the iPhone 7 Plus, maybe because the screen is bigger on the iPhone 7 Plus, I have a harder time typing. Now, that that may be partly because I typed for years on the iPhone 4 and the iPhone I mean, the iPhone 3, the iPhone 4, the iPhone 5S. Those were the three devices. I typed for years on that screen. And on the iPhone 5S, the width of the keyboard was the same as the iPhone 4 and the iPhone 3G. So I typed for years on that. And I would rotate it into landscape view. And now when you did that on the iPhone 5S, then the dimensions changed a little bit. But it was not that great a difference. And I used to type, uh, I used to type pages and pages on my iPhone. I didn't have a laptop computer. I didn't have an iPad. It was my portable computing device. And I typed the heck out of that tiny iPhone screen keyboard. And on the iPhone 7 Plus, and this was, this was true on the iPhone 6 that I had uh, previously, um, I just can't type as well. I especially, I absolutely despise typing in landscape mode. Um, once I introduced iPhone 6 and uh, the accompanying software, once they did that um, and introduced the extra features along the side, to, to me, it just feels wrong. Now, maybe this is because I haven't retrained myself, and maybe I need to, um, to spend some time retraining myself to type in landscape mode and really get used to those features. Um, but at this point for me, ev- everything in landscape is so frustrating to type that I just don't do it. Um, but I, I probably should try it and retrain myself. So I'm going to, um, make myself a note here and plan to do that. But here's what I, here's the point I'm getting to at long last. I'm, I'm getting to, to the whole point of all this discussion of the previous iterations of the iPhone. The rumors are, and of course these rumors have abounded for a long time anyway, that, um, Apple would eliminate the bezels and do full edge-to-edge screen, which you've already seen uh, more or less in some other devices. Um, And if Apple does produce edge-to-edge screens, then it would be possible to have an iPhone 7 size screen in the body of an iPhone 6. I'm I'm using rough estimates, you understand. If Apple were to produce an iPhone 7 sized device, uh, let, let me rephrase that. If Apple were to produce a device with the screen size of the iPhone 7, which was the same as the iPhone 6S and the iPhone 6. If Apple were to produce a device with that screen size, but bezel-less, then you could have, roughly, 
the same screen size as the iPhone 6, 6S, and 7 in the body size of an iPhone 5. Again, give or take. Now, in my opinion, that would be very, very cool. Now, the rumors that are swirling around are that there will be three devices. That there will be an iPhone 7S, let's call it, and an iPhone 7S Plus, let's call it. So the same kind of branding, the same kind of year-over-year development that we've seen since the iPhone 3G. 3G, 3GS, 4, 4S, 5, 5S, 6, 6S, 7, we don't know yet. But the rumors are that three devices are going to be released. The 7S and 7S Plus and a third device that will be um, a different device. So the rumors are that the iPhone 7S and 7S Plus will be the same size, shape, form, factor, etc. basically as the iPhone 7, which would match what's been done every single year since the iPhone 3G. Okay, so ever since the second iteration of the iPhone, the year-over-year program has been different. I mean, has been the same, where it's a... Uh, a two-year rotation of device size, shape, etc. Okay, except that when you get to the 5S, then you have the 5C in that same year. You have a little bit something extra. Um, and then when you get to the iPhone 6, you got two sizes. And so you, you've got the addition of an extra size every year, but it's still the same program. 6 to 6S. 6 plus to 6S plus. Okay. Um, and then, of course, you introduce the, the iPhone 5 SE, and that's a totally separate thing. That's a, a new development. Um, but the basic program has stayed the same. 3G, 3GS, 4, 4S, etc., etc. Okay, now, for the past three iterations, the iPhone 6, the iPhone 6S, and the iPhone 7, the... Um, the basic size and shape hasn't really changed that much. Size, shape, um, you know, the, 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 the curves are basically identical. Uh, you know, they've, they've changed the way the, the lens housing is and, and things like that. So little details here and there are different. And obviously when you get to the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus, you have the virtual home button. Or did that happen with the 6S? The 6 and 6S. Uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, but it, now there's a virtual home button rather than a real home button. But you can't really tell that just by looking at it. Unless you have a trained eye and you know exactly what the, the differences are. It looks very, very similar um, so you have three iterations that are the same. If we have the iPhone 7S and 7S Plus come out this year, chances are that it's going to be a fourth iteration 
that are very, very similar. So they found the size and shape of the device that they apparently really want to have, at least for the foreseeable future, at least for, for now anyway, let, let me put it that way. Um, and if they're going to come out with this third device, it would be the something new. This would be a real change in the program, even more so than, than the iPhone SE change. Because the iPhone SE was basically, and still is basically, the continuation of an older design, the, the iPhone 5 and 5S design. And by almost all accounts, the iPhone 5S design was a little bit better than the iPhone 5 design. Same basic shape, but they, they changed the, the anodization of the aluminum and, and a few things that made it um, a, a better device. But the, the shape and, and all of those features were uh, very much the same. And you, you, know, you couldn't tell the difference just by holding it in your hand. You had to be looking at it really to see. Um, and so that device continues now to this day in the shape of the iPhone SE, assuming that they're going to continue that. Okay, now, so here, here we go. If we have the iPhone 7S and the iPhone 7S Plus, and then we get another device that is a new design, that would be something very new and very different. There's a lot of speculation about it. I think it really could happen. I think that it would make sense for Apple to produce a higher-end phone. I do think it's absolutely crazy if people think that Apple is going to start that phone at like $1,200 or $1,500. I don't think that, that that's the way that Apple's going to go with it. Um, I, I actually just saw, I think for the first time today, that... Um, that new reports are that the price is going to start at $999. That has the ring of truth to me. That $999 price point has the ring of truth. I think that that's probably what's going to happen. Now, another thing that is a, a nasty rumor that I really don't like uh, to hear is that Apple is going to have on this new potential device some sort of notch on the screen where um, the, there's going to be a, basically a cutout into the screen. I don't, I don't think Apple's going to do that. Now, I, I have heard that one way that Apple might do it is that all of that area around the notch will be screen, but it will be persistent black to match the, the black of the cutout area. So it's going to look like it's a solid bar. Basically, it's going to look like a bezel at the top. So the rest of it will look bezel-free, but at the top, it'll look like there's a bezel, what some people refer to as the forehead. Um, that, that could be. I could see that. If, it's, if the screen that is around the cutout notch is persistent black matching the the cutout itself, the notch itself, I could see that. But I, I don't see with Apple's design sensibility that they're going to go the route of having images wrap around that notch. 
I think it looks ugly. I think Apple will think it looks ugly. Another rumor that I don't like hearing is that Apple is going to forego Touch ID. Now, there's been a rumor for years because Apple patented some sort of process where it can embed the fingerprint scanner underneath the screen. And that that um, patent um, was filed for and the patent was given to them, um, I, I want to say, three... Three years ago, maybe I, I can I can try to look it up. I've got it saved somewhere. Um, so this has been a while in the making, but the rumors are that they haven't been able to get the under screen touch ID uh, to work consistently enough in the manufacturing process, and so they may be foregoing touch ID. Now, of course, there were these nasty rumors that they were going to put touch ID on the back of the device. Um, and the more recent rumors are that Apple is going to do facial recognition only to unlock the device rather than Touch ID, and that this facial recognition technology is amazing, and it's going to be able to, um, to unlock the device in the dark in a fraction of a second. I really hope that Apple doesn't do it that way. There are times when I unlock my device without looking at it, and I would love to be able to continue doing that. I'll just give you one example. I've got my phone in my pocket, and I want to to look at, I want to open the phone and launch an app or something like that. I'll have my thumb on the Touch ID while it's in my pocket. I'll press the button, I'll pull it out, I'll press it again. I'm already in by the time I'm looking at the device. Well, if they're going to do facial recognition, then I've got to pull that phone out and hold it up in front of my face. And at some level, at least, it's got to be in front of my face. It has to be able to see my face somehow, even if it's from an angle or something. But I, I just cannot imagine that it's going to work well enough, fast enough that it's going to be faster or even as fast doing it that way as it would be doing it the the current way with the Touch ID. Now, we'll see what Apple announces in the next two to three weeks. I think there are a lot of, of really cool possibilities. I'm excited about what the iPhone could be. I look forward to seeing it. Hope you do too. We'll talk more technology again very soon. Thank you for being with me on this episode of Wit Glass Unfiltered. This is episode 64. If you have been enjoying Wit Glass Unfiltered or the website, please tell your family and friends about it. There is a lot more coming, and, and I know I've been saying that for a while, but there really is a lot more coming. I have a designer helping me out with the website, even though I used to do web design Um, I'm just not in that world enough. So I've hired somebody else to help me with it. Um, And, uh, you know, a variety of of things. His wife has had a baby. It's summertime and we've been out. So it's taken longer than I wanted, but it is happening. And there are lots of great features coming to the website, uh, including some members only areas that I think you'll be really excited about. So tell your family and friends, tell them in in any of the ways that you know how to tell them.
And if you would like to contribute financially, there's a way that you can do that. In the meantime, uh, if you can't contribute financially but would like to contribute suggestions or questions or something like that, email me at halfwit at wit.glass. That's H-A-L-F-W-I-T at wit.glass. Halfwit at wit.glass. I appreciate your time. Thank you for being here with me today. I hope you have enjoyed it. I hope you've been informed by it. And I look forward to being back with you again very soon.